Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. So if you've been reading your Bibles in Philippians chapter 4, the title of my message this morning is The Price of Peace. The price of peace. I want to talk about it because I believe that if you wander into many shops or you watch TV and even people who don't believe in Jesus at Christmas time, you'll hear many people talking about peace and joy and that Christ came, the reason why he came is to bring joy and particularly peace on earth. There's many songs out there that people sing about this. But there's also a massive question, because actually when we went out onto the streets to chat and evangelize to people on Tuesday night, one of the things I find that people say to me when I talk to them about Jesus, they say this back to me. They say, where is the peace that he promised? He says that he came to bring peace, but I don't see peace in the world. If you turn on BBC News or Sky News, you take whichever one you want, Al Jazeera, whatever you want to watch. Today, you'll see that there is not much peace in the world. And when you see that these songs and you hear why Christ come at Christmas time, you almost can sometimes sing the songs and think, well, it's kind of these songs contradict themselves because did he, did he really bring peace? Did he really bring this peace? And the world has got this bigger question sometimes than our doubts. They have a question because they look and think, well, has Christ really done anything to solve the problems? Things are actually getting worse. You look at the world, it looks worse than what it did back then. So is this really the answer? Is Christmas worth celebrating? Is it worth celebrating that Jesus did really bring peace? Do you know what? Jesus never said that he would bring peace on the earth. Did you know that? As much as you can sing it, he never said that he would bring peace on earth. This is what he said in Luke chapter 12, verse 51 to 52. This is what Jesus said in his own words. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No. Do you see that on the Christmas card? No. That was his, do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No. I tell you, but division. That sounds even worse. Would you send a Christmas card to someone that says that Jesus has come to, not to bring peace on earth, but actually to divide? And then it says this, it gets even worse. But I like to bring the word of God that's challenging. It says this, verse 52. From now on, there will be five in one family. This is Jesus giving the future now. He's prophesying. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other. Three against two and two against three. Boy, that sounds exciting. What a great future ahead because of what Jesus did. And many of the people would have wondered, what does he mean by this? Many people today would read that scripture and quickly pass by it thinking, I'm not going to preach on that because I don't want to talk about Jesus coming to divide things. Listen to me. Jesus came to bring peace, but not in the way that some people see it or understand it. He did not come to bring political peace. 
He came to bring personal peace. Whether you choose to receive it is another question. Whether you choose to understand it and accept and receive the peace that Jesus offers that's free is another thing. But you can spend your life looking around the world, looking at BBC News and the problems and arguing with Christians saying why there is not peace in the world and Jesus failed his mission. You can spend your life doing that because you've never received the peace that he's talking about. He did come to bring peace, but not peace on the earth politically. He came to bring peace to the person individually inside If you ever look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 14, when the angels show up to the shepherds, this is what they said. Glory to God in the highest heaven and, and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. It's a little bit different. You put that on a Christmas card. You'll get half the people questioning, well, whose favor is he resting on? He rests on those who will listen to the message of the cross, who will miss, listen to the message that Jesus came and you need to receive forgiveness for your sins. That's the ones on whom his favor rests. The angels didn't come and say and sing a song saying he will bring peace to every single person. You don't have to worry for the rest of your life. I meet lots of people again on the streets that say to me, oh, Jesus died for everyone. Now we have peace. No, because you need to receive him. On whom his favor rests. He didn't come to sort out the earth. That's why the disciples looked at him thinking, what's going on? We, we expected some king to come and deal with all these problems. You know, sort everything out. And this is not what we expected. It's just not what we expected. Because Jesus comes and he brings peace in a completely different way to what you expect. Romans chapter 5 verse 1, it says this, Paul says, Since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified by faith. You have to have faith in Jesus first and then he will, deal, he will give you peace through the Lord Jesus Christ. But you need to rest your faith in him first. So sometimes I question, even the ones who do receive Jesus, we receive this this peace, we receive salvation from him, we receive what he has, this gift of eternal life, we receive this the most amazing gift that you're ever going to get in your life, when you receive this, why is it sometimes that some of us are sat here today and thinking, well I have received Jesus, but I don't have peace. That's what I want to talk to this morning. I'm telling you that there's two things, mainly today. One is that if you don't know Jesus and you ain't got peace, you need personal peace and it's different to what the world offers. And secondly, if you're sat here today, you're a born again Christian and you're saying that my life is messed up, things are not good, but yet I've put my trust in Jesus. He said I get the personal peace. I ain't got a thing. I can't feel the peace he's talking about because it's different to what you think. The best Christmas present that you're going to get this year will not bring peace. There's some people here today, if I ask them, you you tell me the best thing you'd want. You tell me what you'd want if I give you all the money to go into Cambridge now and buy whatever you want. You know that whatever you bought in town, whether it be £2,000, £3,000, whatever you spend, for some people it will not fill the void. 
It will not fill this void of peace that you want. That's because no money can buy what Jesus did on the cross. No money, nothing, no gift, not one of these gifts in every one of these sacks can solve the problem. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus. Do you know what? I want us to look today in Philippians chapter 4 because I believe that Paul describes and gives us some really good tips on what it is to be a believer and what it is to understand peace. If you read the uh, Philippians, you'll see that it's full of scriptures about being uh, full of peace and joy. What's interesting about these scriptures is that Paul writes them whilst he's imprisoned in Rome. He writes them while he's in prison. You think his life was great when he's talking and banging on about peace and joy. And you're saying, oh, he doesn't understand my life. Yes, he does. He's in prison. And he's writing back to a church and telling them, listen, this is what you need to do in your lives. To know and understand the peace and contentment. Let's read it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1 to 13 we're going to read. Paul says this. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for. My joy and crown. Stand firm in the Lord in this way. In other words, he's describing, he's saying, if you want to stand firm in the Lord, if you want to understand what it is to walk with Christ, you need to do it this way. First thing he says in verse 2, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Verse 3, yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, that's Euodia and Syntyche, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. In other words, he says, all them people I've just mentioned, they're all saved. Okay? He says, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, I want to look today. 
Because if Jesus said that he's provided us peace and you're singing the carols and you're sometimes thinking, well, 2016 looks pretty grim for me and I'm not really sure that I even want to go into 2016 and carry on the way this year's been because I don't see my peace. Paul is not talking about the peace that you're thinking about. And he wants you to understand this. Paul uh, stressed to these people while he's writing in prison so they get the idea, get, stop thinking about satisfying the flesh in their lives, stop thinking about that it's all about the flesh and how the flesh feels, and to start thinking about the Spirit of God and their spirits. What advice does Paul give us to understand this piece? The first thing that I want to look at today, the first thing is this. To settle your differences. These are actions that you need to do. Listen, when you, when you're saved and you receive Jesus and he says, I'm going to give you the peace. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. When he gives this peace, some of us sit back, relax and think it all works out for good. And you don't have to do anything. Look, the Bible calls us to be holy. The Bible calls us still to be holy before the Lord. But the, the Bible also puts actions upon us that we need to do. It's been purchased at the cross. Jesus has paid the price for it. But you have to do also some things in your lives and some adjustments to understand this piece. The first thing is settle your differences. Why do I say that? Philippians chapter 4, right at the beginning of verse 2, this is what Paul says. He kicks off with it and he says, I plead with Euodia and Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. What does that mean? He's saying this. He realized that at the church in Philippi, he realized that there were two women who were at each other's throats. He realized that there were, listen, it happens in church. If you're looking at the church trying to find a perfect church where everyone's getting on with each other, when you'll never find it, I'm, I'm afraid. It's never going to be found. He says, he addresses an issue here. And he's saying, talking about peace, he's saying, you've got to sort out your problems with each other. But remember, at the end of these few few lines, the thing he says is this. He recognizes that all their names are written in the book of life and that they've worked for the contending of the gospel. So in other words, he's saying this. He's saying, these people who I'm referring to have got some issues and they need to be at the same mind with each other and stop arguing when they're people of God. They need to sort their differences out to understand the true peace that they need in their lives. Because the enemy comes in to rob that peace, to rob us of that peace by starting to get us to bicker between each other. And how many of you know it's so easy? Look, you're not protected when you're in church and you're a believer from bickering between one another. Sometimes church is the worst place for it. It is. You can't disguise and hide the fact, making out that we're all some holy group, that nothing ever happens. Listen, we all struggle. We all have these problems. And Paul's saying, I'm going to tell you something here. You need to know the peace. You need to sort your differences out. Stop bickering because it's not good. Listen, it hasn't erased your name from the book of life because you started arguing with each other. Listen, you've been some amazing workers independently for me, for the gospel is saying. But listen to me. You need to sort things out because while I'm here in jail, I'm telling you, you need to sort these things out because in a sense, you're in a jail yourself. You're imprisoned by your own bickering. We can be great believers, but at war with each other. We can be great believers. Names in the book of life. Sealed the deal. Everything's sorted. We're doing some great things for God. But you are bickering amongst each other. It needs to stop. 
Do you know why? Do you know why it needs to stop? Do you know why it needs to change? Because I'll tell you why. The Holy Spirit doesn't like it. You might think, oh, I'm holy. You might think, oh, I've got everything together. You might think, oh, I can tell them about this amazing testimony testimony in my life. But the next moment you're arguing or you're doing something with your friends, your family, your loved ones. And you know that deep down inside, as many testimonies as you tell, as many good things you can say about what God is doing in your life. Still, the Holy Spirit is not happy with the way you're dealing with some things and speaking to people. Do you know this? If you look in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, it talks about offering your gift at the altar. It says this, if you're offering your gift at the altar, remember, your, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. In other words, forget all the pretense and the gifts trying to cover everything up that we're all honky-dory. You cannot hide from God. He'd rather you deal with your issues first before you start talking about all the good things in your life. And so many of us do this. We don't bring a gift necessarily to the altar. We can do all these great things. But listen, if you're bickering with someone, get that sorted. I'd rather have people sorting things out than full sacks here. Of gifts. Because God is looking. He knows your heart more than I will ever do. He knows inside every single heart in this room more than I will ever do. Paul goes on to say this in Philippians 4, just a little bit later in in verse 5. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. In other words, he's saying to them, listen, it's almost like your gentleness is, is apparent to some but not to the, each other in this situation. So you're not being gentle with each other there. You, you, you're choosing who you want to be gentle with. You're choosing who you want to be nice with. So he's saying, listen, let your gentleness be evident to all. But this is very important, the next line. The Lord is near. Do you know what? So many of us, when even as Christians, we think that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, can't see half the stuff we do. We get into this false sense of security, into this feeling that we can do stuff and he can't see us. And do you know what that is? You're like an atheist. You don't believe there is a God anymore. Because if you believe there's a God, you won't start acting like this. And some of us need to remind ourselves that the Lord is near. Do you know why he's near? Because he sent his Holy Spirit to be one like Jesus and he's here right now. He's watching me speak. He knows every single thing about your lives. He knows every single thing about you. He knows what you're doing behind closed doors. He knows every single thing about you. The Lord is near. Don't forget it. Because the enemy will say to you, he can't see. Just like he did with Adam and Eve. You know, why don't you have try this out? You know, what does God really know about this? Go on, you do it for yourself. And I want to encourage you today that the some of us, we act like the Lord is not near. We distribute our, our grace and we distribute our gentleness with those we choose, but yet we can be angry with others. Listen, I don't care. Uh, I'm not here to put tabs on who does what. I'm telling you something. There's only you know what you're like. There's only you know inside how you're speaking to people. There's only you know. And listen, to you're the one who has to answer to the Lord. But listen to me. One thing we can do is this, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us this. 
The Bible tells us that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 to 30 says this. Paul says this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In other words... Paul said, didn't he? He said, you know, your name's written in the book of life. So there's the seal. There's what the Holy Spirit's done in your life. He's sealed your name. He sealed you for the day of redemption. But actually, the Spirit of God, that he, the same Spirit that he sealed your redemption with for that day, is, is the Spirit that can also be grieved in your actions. So yes, he's come to bring peace to the inner man and the inner woman, but actually you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Because listen, this is what sometimes people, and we need to break this, this view of the Holy Spirit. We can get into the view that the Holy Spirit is like some power and force, and he's something that we just pray for a miracle and it happens and the power comes. Listen, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a representation. It says, Jesus says, I'm going to send one, one who is like me. In other words, it's just like having a person in here. You would be careful of what you say. You'd be careful what you do. And the Holy Spirit is like that gentle person. And a gentle person will leave the room if we start acting badly. It doesn't change your, uh, your situation, your seal of redemption. It doesn't change that only if we walk away, I believe, from the Lord. And we totally reject him. But listen to me. It does not change that, but the way that he interacts with us. But listen, the reason why Paul says this is not because it's doom and gloom for you if you've do, been doing these things. He's encouraging you to settle your differences. Move on and the Spirit of God will come back. He'll draw close again. It's not doom and gloom for you that he's gone. Yes, he wants to come back. I'll tell you a story. Once, Many years ago, I heard a preacher tell this very story. So it's not mine, but a, a true story of a couple who went to live in Israel. And they went to live in Israel in a home to do missionary work. And when they went out there, uh, they, they really felt that God had been calling them to do this kind of work. And they really felt that God had, was confirming all through their lives. And one thing they really felt confirmed about was when they arrived in Israel in this home, is that they saw this dove was kept living in the eaves of the, of the house. And this dove would come in each day and they'd see this beautiful dove. If, if any of you know the difference, a pigeon and a dove are in the same family. They're in the same family. And, and, and Emma doesn't like pigeons because she just, she's, she's scared of pigeons, aren't you? And pigeons, are, you know, you used to go to Trafalgar Square. There were pigeons everywhere. And they would come to people. And people, they would be around people. The difference between pigeons and doves are that pigeons will come around you. Doves will not come near They're very gentle. That's why the Holy Spirit is described as a gentle as a dove. These people see this dove coming to their home. It's unusual. And they see this. But one day they started to notice that the dove would fly out of the house and leave the roof of this house because of their bickering. They said, have you noticed, and they started to talk with each other and say, have you noticed that when we begin to talk to each other, when we argue with each other, have you noticed that the dove keeps leaving? And they said, yes, I've noticed that when we shout or raise our voices, the dove goes. Then it comes back. Now, I'm not saying there's anything godly about the dove. I'm giving you an illustration that the Holy Spirit, who is represented and described like a dove, is the same. At the end result, they said this. We need to either change our actions or the dove will change its. 
We need to change our ways or he will change his ways. So they have to accommodate for the presence. Listen to me today. You need to accommodate for his presence. Be very aware the Lord is near. Maybe this Christmas you are forced together with family members. Maybe there's some people you're going to be sat around the dinner table with. Yeah, it's true. Some of us don't look forward to this time of year because we're forced together with certain family members through the year. We have to sit around a table and you know that sometimes it's just going to be the trigger of bickering. Remember, forgive each other. Rest these things aside. Put these things aside. And as we, as these opportunities come up, it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity sometimes for the enemy to get hold of us. And to use these times. But we need to be forgiven to all. And use these opportunities to see, let people see around our dinner tables that God is a God of peace and love. Amen. Number one, settle your differences. Number two today is submit your fears. This is another thing you need to do. This is another thing you've got to do to see peace. Submit your fears. Paul said this. Verse 6 of Philippians 4, he said, Do not be anxious about anything. Did you get that? Anything. Anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. He says, don't be anxious about anything at all. Not one thing that you could bring today that you said is my biggest problem. He says, if you want peace... If you want to know peace in your life, you need to surrender and give your fears. Submit your fears to God. The the message says this. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. In other words, he wants you to get hold of these problems and start to turn them into prayers. And send them up to him. And he wants to hear them. But some of us, we don't ask God anymore. We don't, we don't want to bother God anymore. We don't think that he's interested in some of these things in our lives. We don't think he's interested in the anxiousness that we're going through and some of the struggles in our life. And what we do is we're saying, God, you know the deal. You, if you're real, then you can come and sort this out. I'm just going to leave it all with you. But no, he wants you to sit with him just like the gentleman he is. And he wants you to pray. And he wants you to take time and say, listen, just like if, if you come and see, see one of the guys here, the pastoral team, and you shared your problems, he wants you to do the same thing with him. But some people will go in more detail with their problems with the pastoral team than they will with God. Some people are quite fine on talking for a long time, telling all the details of a problem, but you don't spend your time with the Lord telling these things. And I believe sometimes the Lord is saying, why don't you come to me first? What's wrong with me? Why do you have to go to man first for them to tell you to come to me? Come and ask me first. I believe that half of pastoral problems would reduce by a lot of percentage if they went to the the one who's going to solve the problem anyway. Because I can't solve all your problems. I'm sorry to tell you that. I wish I could. But I want to tell you. I'll give you the greatest advice. As much as I can try and help. God is the best help you're going to ever get. And you need to give. Surrender and submit these fears. These anxious thoughts. Give them to him. And this is the thing you need to do. You'll find that what happens is you'll come for pastoral help. You'll say, do you know what? I started doing this. I started doing what the Lord says in the word. And I want to actually tell you. A, I want to tell you some praise report. 
Because this has been happening in my life. I, I started to see from a different perspective. I understood peace from a different angle. And then we'll start praying and praising together what God's doing in your life. Rather than me trying to answer in flesh. Or giving godly advice saying really you need to share it with God. God wants us to trade in our fears. We sung this morning, trade in our sorrows. Trade in our things. Trade in the things in our lives. Submit them to him. Sometimes, you know, it feels to some of us like God's a million miles away. You think, I, I can't. If I go and pray today in my room, there's so many distractions. I don't know if I can. He feels like a million miles away. He is near, remember. The Lord is near, watching us. His eyes are on us to and fro each day. But he's also there listening. Saying, come on, come and tell me these issues. I've got the power and authority to deal with them and intervene. Paul says then, if you do these things, you submit your anxious thoughts to him. You turn your petitions and praises into prayers and you shape them into prayers. And they start coming up to me like prayers rather than uh, reeling off problems. If you do this, this is what Paul says. This is the result. Verse 7 of Philippians chapter 4 says, And the peace of God that transcends all understanding... There you get it. Peace that you can't even fathom. You'll never understand it. Peace that that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a deal. You've got to do it. It's up to you. You've got to do it. He's bought it on the cross, but you've got to go and buy this. You've got to spend some time with the Lord. You've got to go and do this. You've got to spend some time with the Lord and you'll get in in return a peace that surpasses all understanding that not one human being on the planet will ever get their head around. Do you understand? There's so many of us, we're just holding on to these things. You know, my mum used to say to me when I was younger, I used to say, mum, I struggle, I'm worried about things and I'd, I'd, I'd shout out in the middle of the night when I was really young. I'd shout to say, I'm worried about this. Mum, dad, and my dad had come to the room. My mum my used to come in and she'd always say to me this, Philip, if she said Philip, I knew it was, if it's Philip, then I was in trouble. And she said, Philip, she said, I want to tell you, problems always feel worse at night. I'm sure she wanted to get back into bed again. She used to say that all the time. Problems always feel worse at night. When you wake up in the morning, it won't be half as bad. And it's right. The problem is then I used to fear through the day about going to bed at night. I used to worry all day about going to bed at night because of all the fears that would come. She was right. But sometimes it is like that. And sometimes we, some of us lie in our beds on a night and we're weeping. Even our, our other halves who are next to us laid in bed and we don't. We're thinking, you know, our spouses are laid down. We are crying and, and none, some people don't even know some of the pain people are going through sometimes, I believe. All the problems start coming. And this is what sometimes leads people into depression. It leads people into this feeling of they feel so low in their lives because they don't share these things with their spouse. But they don't share them with God. I want you to encourage you today. The enemy wants you to keep it all bottled in and not share it. But there is some release And there is some gift that comes from the Lord for those who believe. A peace that transcends all understanding. In John chapter 14 verse 27, Jesus said this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. Submit everything to God, but understand this. You're going to get a peace back in return 
That's the download from heaven. When you've put in your payment details by prayer and petition, you've tapped in your numbers, you've done all this, do you know the download you're going to get is a piece that is way beyond what you would have ever expected. So I'm telling you, don't be afraid and don't be worried about the future. Amen. What a promise. What a promise. Peace on earth to those who on his favor rests. I want to tell you today, if you believe in Jesus, all these things are for you. What an amazing Christmas we could have if we believe this. Peace that we have with him. Do you know what God is doing today, I believe, for some people right now? He's reminding you. He's reminding you of how you need to get this peace in your life again. I don't know about you, but I, I've, I spend a lot of time going online and buying my... Emma keeps getting on to me for not doing my Christmas shopping and leaving it to the last minute. In fact, I'm waiting for the sales. I like to wait for the sale. It's so much cheaper. You get twice as much. People think you're blessing them even more. You know, what, why buy them this week when you can go on the 20, 23rd and buy them? Why, why be ripped off? So, but I buy everything online. Why walk into the shops when you can do it online? And so Emma says, why are you leaving it to the last minute? But one thing I find is I go onto the websites where I buy things from. And I don't know about you, but do you forget your passwords? I forget my passwords all the time. And I wish I had a book that had the passwords in. But if I had a book, then everyone would know that if they found that, then they'd know everything. So you have to try and disguise passwords. I have, I'm not going to, I have, I have things in my phone that I have to decode to find passwords. There are passwords to passwords. You know, you need a password to a password. Because you're scared if someone finds your phone, they're going to understand and they're going to get into your bank account. So I have these passwords. And the other day I found, I was on a website and I needed to get, a, a, it says, forgotten your password. Remind, I'm so glad they have that link. I must use it more than I do, do shopping on the site. For, I forgot my password. I only bought something the day before. So I go on, I press the link. Then it says, do you know your username? And I think, I can't remember my username. So I have to go through the process of getting the username and then the password. And I have to go through this process. Thankfully, eventually, I get an email through that then it tells me to reset the password. So then I've got to think of another one. And I've got that many passwords swimming around in my head. I don't know which one to choose. Then it says, you've used this one before. I think, I know I have because I've got that many. And what we find is, what we find is that we do this. We have all these passwords and sometimes... We, we don't bother going on, sometimes I've quit on some sites because I've had so much, so much of a problem trying to get the password back to buy the thing. If I do go to the shops, it's much easier. And some of us do this, we have forgot our password. Because do you know what? The enemy wants you to forget the word of God. The enemy wants you to forget your password. That your password is prayers and petitions shaped into prayers will deal with these issues and bring peace in your heart. And that's what the Holy Spirit sent to you today. Right now, I know he's speaking into lives. The Holy Spirit is reminding you because some of us are forgetting. And he wants to remind us. That's why the word of God is so powerful. Listen, I never said this at the beginning. But when Jesus said that he would come to divide and not bring peace. Do you know why? It says when it depicts Jesus coming back in the revelation when he returns. It says a sword will come from his mouth. The word of God is described as a sword. A sword because it divides. It divides. Listen, I'll tell you why it divides families. 
I'll tell you why it divides families. Because people will start to see that some receive Jesus and some don't. People in your families will start to see there'll be five and one of them gives their life to Jesus. The divide will be because the word of God comes to divide and there's a separation in belief. But listen to me, don't give up. Because when you live under these kind of instructions and you allow the peace of God to flow through your life, what will happen is this, the family members who have not received Jesus yet will look at you and say, wow, I can see a peace in you. I understand the peace that's on the Christmas card because I can see it actively worked out in your life. Jesus wants to divide because he doesn't want to just live and just camouflage amongst society. He wants to bring his word that divides, brings truth, so that your family members will look and say, ah, that is the peace that he says on the Christmas card. I want that. I want it. He comes to divide. God is reminding you today of this password to perfect peace in him. Number three, he sent you today. He wants us to shape our thoughts. Shape your thoughts. It's another thing we need to do. Paul says whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Did you get that? Think about such things. So many of us are filling our minds with junk. So many of us, uh, we're going to choose through this Christmas period maybe to uh, maybe shift on some, of the, on some of the films we may not watch normally, but you're so excited about watching them, you'll allow some junk and things to come into your life and you'll start to think about stuff and th- let things fill your life and your thoughts are not shaped correctly. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to come and save you and I'm going to wipe your mind and change you so that you will think as I want you to think. He will not do that because he is a father who loves you. He's a father. Do you know there's nothing worse than when I buy the children a gift at Christmas and they don't play with it. They play with the one that they got last year. I'm like, please play with this. And they don't. And you think, why on earth do we bother? And sometimes the Lord is looking at us that way. He wants us to shape our thoughts on good things. Allow good things to enter our minds. Whatever's right, whatever's pure. Look for these things. Look for these things. We need to monitor what goes into our minds. And some of us have not put the monitoring check on what's going in. Some of us are probably even going online and looking at stuff we're not supposed to be looking at. I want to encourage you today. Stop it. The road to peace is for you to pursue it. It's for you to make, take some actions and start to shape your thoughts differently. To change the way you operate. Jesus doesn't do it for you. He doesn't force us to do it. In the New King James Version, in Isaiah 26 verse 3, it says this. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts in you. Whose mind is stayed on you. Psalm 34 verse 14 says this. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. In other words, you've got to do something about it. We've got to do something about it. We've got to seek peace. Look for the good things. Look for the things that are going to shape our thoughts differently. I don't know about you, but I, I don't I get on the scales at the moment. I don't know about you. I know you've been thinking that about me. I am actually, I'm try, I, I'm thankful. I, I'm just going to say, I'm thankful that, I, I can only just bone this up. 
I'm thankful. I don't know about you. A bit of advice for you. Save the suit jackets that you had three years ago. Because they fit better today. And when I used to be in my old job, every day they would give me a free meal, a three, three-course meal. I'd walk down into, into my old canteen when I used to work. It was amazing. Three-course meal. Monday's curry Monday. It's my favorite, favorite meal. And I'd walk down there. And one time I decided to, to you know, lose a few pounds to change the way I am and to shape my life a bit differently. And uh, I noticed that they started putting, by law, they had to put all these signs up that said how many calories were in different things, which was worse because I, all the things I wanted had the calories in. And I used to walk in there. And the, honestly, if you know me, I love curry. It's my number one food. I love a good curry. And I used to walk in on Mondays. And the biggest problem for me, on the right was the curry counter. Naan breads, everything you want. On the left was the salad bar. And I had to make some decisions. Do I go for the salad or the curry? And the smell was so amazing. And let me tell you, to to go and choose these good things, it seems such a big task. Honestly, it was like a magnet was pulling me to the curry counter. And people... People in my workplace, they used to go down with me and they were watching, is Phil going to give up? Is he going to go and have a curry? And if I did, and I sat with them and they were eating salads or sandwiches, I'd feel so bad and defeated. So I used to walk in, but do you know what? I'm going to tell you this and you know it's true. Many people, they start their diets in January. That's when I'm doing mine. It's a good time to start. But they start in January. And, you know, it's, it's a great time to start. But... I, I'm going to start in January. But when I did this, I used to go in and I used to shape the way that I, I ate. So I'd choose the salad things. I'd go and check the, the things. But I'm going to tell you something. Within a couple of weeks of doing that, actually the magnet of the curry never came. It never drew me anymore. Because the more goodness I ate, then to look at I just didn't want it anymore. And listen, this is where some of us are at, at the moment. We're at that point just before Christmas, the January point where you feel like you can't get out of the rut. You can't get out of the rut. You need to shape your thoughts and change the way you think. If you start putting goodness in, what you'll find is that goodness will bring peace in your life. And when you start to get peace that surpasses all understanding that guards your heart and your mind, it will be so intense and so good that actually the things of this world, the sinful things will look terrible. But you've got to do it first. You've got to do it first. He doesn't say it happens by default. He says, you've got to make these measures. And I guarantee you, you start going to a gym within two to three weeks, you'll love going to the gym. First few weeks, you're going to ache all over and it's make or break. I've not been to a gym yet, so I'm I'm just considering it. But listen, I want to encourage you. It's the same. We need to look at these things. We need, you're just imagining me on a cycle thing now, aren't you? On a rowing machine. Listen, we need to make these changes. It's important we shape our thoughts. Put in some good stuff. If you do it, you'll start to get the peace. There is a deal. You've got to buy some stuff and it's going to be painful sometimes. It's going to be difficult. You've got to buy these things. Buying by which I mean he bought, he paid for this peace, but you have to do something for it as well. He goes on to say in verse 9, whatever you've learned, Paul says, or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. There it is again. He says, it's an amazing scripture, this Philippians 4 verse 9. He says, if you do these things, if you, if you look at me, by the way, Paul says, check out what I've done in my life. By the way, I'm in jail at the moment, so it doesn't look great. But if you look at me, 
check me out, what I've been doing in my life, the things I've done and I'm trying to advise you on, if you put these things into practice, he says, he finishes that off by saying, and the God of peace will be with you. It's there again. The God of peace will be with you if you do these things. You've got to put them into practice. What have you learned and received from me? Don't feel bad by looking at somebody who seems more holy than you, thinking, I don't want to imitate their actions. You know what? They make, you know, sometimes people look at people who are, they're more, they look more holy and they think, I don't want to copy you. I want, you know, I don't want to make you feel good about yourself. We need to start imitating some of the godly people around us. If they do some actions, just like Paul says, start imitating and doing it. Because what you'll find is it will, it will ripple through the church if we do that. Finally, I've got one more point. And finally, Number four is this. Paul said satisfy. But I want to encourage you that Paul, I believe, says that we need to satisfy our spirits. We need to satisfy our spirits. Verse 12 of Philippians 4, he says this. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. Whether I'm well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want... I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul learnt the secret of being content. How many of us would want that, to be content in our lives? Do you know, I watched on the news last night that it said that between now, that was yesterday, and Christmas Day, a further £6 billion is expected to be spent from from the British public. Six billion pounds for Christmas in the next few days. You think how much it's been for the last few months. They're expecting six billion pounds to be spent. They called yesterday, Saturday, Panic Saturday. Every, there seems so many names. Black Friday, Yellow Monday. I don't know where I am anymore. Cyber Monday. You know, there's going to be a new calendar out next year. For, you don't need a calendar anymore. You just go by these days. Pink, Pink Tuesday. They've caught on to this. And they called it Panic Saturday. Emma was panicking. I'm not panicking. Listen, this is what it's like. This is what our society is like. Panic Saturday. Go and get it. Spend six billion pounds. Do you know what? None of us can be content with these things. It's just stuff. The Bible says that you cannot take it with you. Whether you can fit it in your coffin or not, you're going to have to pay for a bigger coffin. That'll cost you a lot of money as well. You might get one on Black Friday. But listen. Listen to me. You. We've got to, be, we've got to see this for what it is. Because the enemy has gripped our society and our world to start thinking that materials are the answer. And people... Whether they've got broken marriages, they're going to be sat around a Christmas tree. Everything's going to look like it's on Kidori when all the presents look glowing with gold. Things given to each other. But underneath, their lives are broken. Because they are not content. Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. I've learned what it is to feel contentment when I'm hungry or I'm well fed or I've got everything I need. Or I'm lacking. In other words, I'm in prison now. I'm letting you know something that is a real vital key. You need peace in contentment. You need to have contentment in your heart whether you've got stuff or not. 
Because what you can afford in your bank account today is nothing to do with the peace he's talking about. If you're saying even about gifts, I can't afford to do some of the things I want to do next year. I want to be able to do this. I want to have this house. I want to have a bigger car. I want to, I want to just have these extra few things, Lord. I'm praying for these things. Listen, he might bless you with these things, but it's not contentment. Paul's saying, I've learned contentment is nothing about goods or finances. It's nothing to do with finance. It's about contentment in our spirits. We need to satisfy our spirit, not our flesh. That's the key. You satisfy your spirit, you'll find peace and contentment that will override the satisfaction you normally require from buying stuff. Do you know, I went out the other day and I did nip into town to get a few items for presents. And I don't know if you ever found this. Yeah, I did. And I, and I went in, yeah. Not for you. <laughs> but I, I, and I went in. I don't know if you've ever found this. I, you go into the shop <clears throat> and you walk in and sometimes you, you know, I like to go in some of the nice shops and look. I like to do window shopping, pretending that I could afford to buy things or l- just imagining what it would be if I could afford this item. But I just like the sales to come out, special deals. And I went into this particular shop and I was looking around and people tend to follow me around. I must look like I'm, I'm going to steal. I don't know why. I don't know if it's when I talk, my accent, they just think, Northerner, he's going to steal these things. And so I, I, I tried to keep my mouth closed, do a nice smile, wear respectable clothing, wander in. And I went in the shop and I felt this guy just wandering around saying, are you okay? I thought, well, of course I'm okay. Why wouldn't I be okay? It's Christmas. Are you okay? Do you know what you want, sir? Well, I will when I've had a look. If you'll let me. And I always just say, yeah, I'll come and find you if I need you. And then I wandered over and I was looking at some of the things and I like to, I don't know about you, do you, do you like to, I like to touch things, fabrics. I'm the, I'm the person that is just messed up all the rack. I feel so guilty. Mess up the rack, then walk off and then watch the person tidy it all back up again. And, and, and I go and, and I, and I like to just feel the fabric. If I'm going to spend the money, I want to know what the fabric feels like. So I'm looking at these, these jumpers. And I don't know if you've ever done this. Then you, you look at the jumpers and you look at these clothing and you think, oh, this looks nice. And then you turn the tag, the price tag. And I, you know, you do it. You do this. You do this. You turn the price tag and you see the price tag. And the price tag is way above your budget. Yeah, it's way above. But you, you, you have to think of, I need to do, because the guy who just caught me when I walked in the shop, trying, he's still watching. He's waiting for me. And so you're looking at the tag and you have to give a face that looks like you could afford this. I, you know, I, if I wanted to get it, I could. And you, we, I'm good at, I've learned how to do it now. I've learned how to show that I could buy anything, even though I can't. And I look at the tag and the guy looks at me and he's thinking, huh, you didn't realize that was that price, did you, sir? Are you sure you want to be in my shop? And so, do you know what I do sometimes? I do see the tags and I think, this is way above my budget. I do the face, but then do you know what I do? I don't just do the face to look like I can afford this. I then spend another five minutes in the shop just to show that I could buy anything. And all the time, I'm thinking, if any tag I look at, if it's like the one I've just seen, 
Oh, my word. But I'm going to spend another five minutes in here just to show that it's possible. And I've just wasted five minutes of my life. You know it. We all do it. We see the price tag and we can't afford it. We can't afford to buy it. We can't afford to buy it. Do you know what? You cannot afford to satisfy your flesh. You'll never find anything that, however expensive it is, you'll never find anything that's going to satisfy the flesh fully. But you need contentment in your spirit. There's a quote someone once said, it's this, the only one who can truly satisfy the human heart is the one who made it. The only one who can truly satisfy the human heart is the one who made it. And by the way, I know him. And he's here now by his spirit. His name is Jesus. God the Father sent his son Jesus to die on a cross. He came to to be born here and we're celebrating that. But to die on a cross and he gave the greatest gift that we could ever, ever know. So that you might have eternal life through him. All your sins forgiven. And a peace that will come that will surpass all understanding. And guard your heart and your mind in every circumstance of your life. Paul revealed the secret when he got to the end of the contentment bit. He says, I've, I've done all this. And everyone's like, he said, I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret. And everyone's like reading this and they're, they're thinking, why well, he's in prison. What is his secret? I don't understand this. He said, there's a secret. What's the secret? We, do you want to know what the secret is? I do. And I get to the end and I see in verse 13, he says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Literally everything we've just learned this morning, it can only come through Jesus Christ himself who gives us strength. It can only come through him. We need his spirit to fill us. He said this, Paul, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. He said this, I pray, prayers, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that's Christ, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He's talking about that the spirit gives strength. Therefore, you need the spirit of God in your life. You need, if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, if you're not filled and you're on fire for God, listen, he will bring empowerment, but he'll bring fulfillment. He'll bring empowerment. We love empowerment. We love the miracles, but he will bring fulfillment into your life. He'll fill the gap and he'll fill the void. He said to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, he said, I've got a water that you will never have to come back for. You'll be satisfied by it. Rivers of life. Water that you will never have to keep coming and drawing back for because once you start drinking this, it is unbelievable. My spirit. My spirit. Hallelujah. Do you know what? Jesus... As I come to close, Jesus, do you know what he did for you and for me? We sung about it earlier on. But Jesus, he says, we, we sung the song, he was the darling of heaven was crucified. What beautiful words they are. The darling of heaven was crucified. Do you know what? We know the Bible tells us that Jesus was with the Father since time began, before he even came in flesh as we know it on earth. But do you know what? Right till the, at the very moment that humanity failed God, God had a plan. He had a plan to send his son for God's soul of the world that he gave his son. He gave this gift. But listen to me. Do you know what Jesus did? 
God the Father showed him the cup that he had to drink. He showed him the price tag on the item. He didn't pretend. He didn't pretend he could afford it. Because he could afford it. His blood. His precious blood. That cleanses us from all sin. He looked at the price tag. And he wanted to pay the price for you and for me. He didn't walk away pretending, thinking, yeah, I can afford it, but I'm not going to do it. At one time he prayed, he said, could this cup pass by me? But the Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and, and scorned its shame. In other words, he paid the bill. He paid the price on the most expensive thing that would ever cost on this earth till the time began and the time ends. The most expensive thing is your sin. And he looked at the tag and he said, I will pay it. I will go. I will go. I will go. The darling of heaven who did not have to leave that amazing place, but he stepped out of heaven and he came in flesh. And we're celebrating in the next few days. He came and he was born as a babe. But he came in flesh for one reason and one purpose only. Not for the Christmas card. But he came as the greatest gift to humanity for those who will receive him. And that is eternal life through his precious blood. Some people today know Christmas and they know Christianity as religion I'd say without power. They don't understand that they need power. And some of us today, we, it's like the Christmas gifts you get when there's no batteries. You know, I, I bought them for my, when I, when, when I was, uh, years ago, I used to buy presents for my sister's kids and I never bought the batteries to go with it. I just thought they'd come with it, but they didn't. So on, on the morning, does this thing move? And it didn't move because the batteries need to be provided. Some of us live our lives, Christianity, and there's no power and substance in it because we're not putting these things into practice. The batteries ain't being put in because the power of the Holy Spirit is not evident in our lives. Simply because we're either grieving him or we've not accepted and received him or we're not putting these things into practice. He wants you today to change the way you see your Christianity and to put the power back into it. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.